2 Corinthians chapter 10. I feel like I've got a good word for you tonight. I feel like the Lord has a good word for you from what the Apostle Paul wrote us. Uh, we have been, um, I've been teaching the last, I guess it's been a chapter a, a week. I guess it's been 10 weeks uh, we've done 2 Corinthians. Uh, again, I, I feel like it is a, uh, a book that is really for equipping the church, equipping the body. And I think that this continues. If you remember from chapters 8 and 9, it was really on a spirit of giving. Um, and now we kind of change gears. So if you can kind of remember how we've been building on this, uh, and I would encourage you to go back and reread it um, if you so choose. Hopefully if I continue, I'm going to continue through uh, chapter 13, and that's going to be the end of 2 Corinthians. Then we'll determine where we go from there. But I hope you've been receiving. We're in the, uh, the message and I'm going to read one little section out of the New King James because you're going to remember it, but I, that's really kind of where I want to hang out. Second uh, Corinthians 10, let me pray real quick. Father, in Jesus' name, as we get in your word, I just ask for life. Lord, I thank you that your word will not return void, but it will accomplish what it was set forth to do. I just thank you, Lord, for your word and your truth and, and the wisdom that you're giving us through your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, teach us. And just give us revelation of what we need to hear tonight. And Lord, let us not just sit through a sermon, Lord, but let our lives be changed. Let it show as we go out of here. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. 2 Corinthians 10. Again, this is the message. If you've got your Bible and you want to follow along to kind of remember what the, the wordage is from the New King James or from the NIV, you can. But we're going to do the, the message. It says in verse 1 and 2. And now a personal but urgent matter, I write in the gentle but firm spirit of Christ. I hear that I'm being painted a cringing and wishy-washy, painted as cringing and wishy-washy when I'm with you, but harsh and demanding when at a safe distance writing letters. <laughs> so he leaves. Um, they start yan yan saying your letters speak big, but when you're here, you're not quite so big. Right? When you're at a safe distance writing letters, you're pretty harsh, but when you're here, you're real wishy-washy. <laughs> um, I would not probably label the Apostle Paul as wishy-washy, especially not to his face. <laughs> I'd be afraid he'd call down a, the, the fire of God on my head. Um, but the, here they are. That's what they're doing. He says, please don't force me to take a hard line when I'm present with you. Don't think that I'll hesitate a single minute to stand up to those who say I'm, un, I'm, I'm an unprincipled opportunist. Then they'll have to eat their words. I'm not real sure why, why this is here except to say that uh, everybody receives criticism. And um, even the Apostle Paul who wrote the majority of the New Testament even Jesus received criticism. And Jesus is perfect. So you have been receiving words. Uh, again, in the next few weeks, we're going to start a new series, and one of them is going to be Breaking Bad Words. Um, everybody receives them. But Scripture tells us what to do with those words. And how to measure them up against God's word and to not receive those that don't line up with God's word. We're going to see. We're going to continue. I don't, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. 
Verse 3, and this is the one we're going to repeat because you're going to know this, but you're probably not going to know it from this translation. The world is unprincipled. It's a dog-eat-dog dog, it dog dog out there. The world doesn't fight fair, but we don't live or fight our battles that way. Never have and never will. Let me ask you something. Have you ever gotten into a stupid argument that just made no sense? And have you ever watched someone get in one that you're just thinking, this, this isn't going anywhere but down? There's no way out of this. Somebody please shut up. If, y'all, if any of you guys came to the marriage conference, love and respect, it's called the crazy cycle. And somebody's got to be the bigger person and get off. You're on this cycle, and I see it in marriages. I see it in my own marriages. I see it with siblings. I see it between siblings and parents. I mean, kids and parents. I see it between pe- preachers and, and deacons. I see, it, I see it everywhere. We get in this cycle. You get it at work. You get it with your sisters. You get it at Thanksgiving. <laughs> You certainly get it during uh, the political season. It's stupid. Somebody be the bigger person and shut up. Because the other person will eventually shut up. If one will stop, the other one will stop. It's an amazing thing. The world doesn't fight fair, but we don't fight our battles that way. Never have and never will. I don't know that I can say that. I think that I have. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation. I love the way that that's put. So many times people use scriptural, religious things for manipulative reasons. And you want to talk about something backfiring, that will backfire. But they are for demolishing that entire massively corrupt culture. Do you hear that? The things that are wrong in our culture that are worldly can be massively, can can demolish that culture. That's the tools that we've been given. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. Uh, I'm going to reread the new King King James Version, but I, I want you to know the problem today is not with the church and, and the power of the church and the power of the Word of God. The problem is that we don't use the tools. We're afraid to speak truth because of political correctness. We're afraid to say, and I'm just going to say it, homosexuality is wrong because we're afraid of the world and what they may do to us. But we are to love people. We've somehow stopped loving people and condemning, not forgiving, but pointing out what's wrong with everyone and pushing people away rather than receiving the sinner and loving on them and then speaking truth into people's lives. I am desperate for truth. Truth is the only thing that is going to get me out of my hole because it's the Spirit of God who is the Spirit of truth. It's the Holy Spirit that's going to get me out of what I'm in. And the only way way I'm coming out of what I'm in is if it's the Spirit of God that leads me out of it. And the only way to get out of it is to receive truth. 
When I received the Holy Spirit and His work in my life, as well as the Word, I received truth. It is battling the world and it is battling a lie. And these lies get in Christians every day. And we now think we cannot say things at work. We can't say things into people's lives, and we can. The difference is, are you saying it with love, or are you saying it with a manipulative uh, bent to it, a hook in it, or judgmental? It's so easy to judge people. When we have the word and we can throw it at somebody, it's easy to do it in a judgmental way. It's no wonder people reject it. But now what's happened is, in order to love people, we've stopped speaking the truth. So we've missed it again. we got to speak the truth. I will tell you, Sunday morning's uh, sermon, uh, plus the two weeks before it, Sunday morning was tough. And I was expecting it to be this great crescendo to the end of follow and to the end of house of cards. And it was based on the churchgoers who go and face Christ in, at their last day and are saying, Lord, Lord, and Christ is saying, wait a minute, I don't know you. What do you mean you don't know me? I've prophesied in your name. I laid hands on people and they got healed. I cast out demons. Jesus says, I don't know you. Now that's hard. That's hard for the churchgoer to come in and feel good about themselves. Well, that's not necessarily my job. You wonder why I've cleared everybody out. I will tell you, it's going to get worse before it gets better. But can we really grasp Jesus as Lord? Not just Savior. Those of you that weren't here Sunday morning, um, unfortunately, we've come to the altar and we've received Christ as our Savior, but we never received Christ as our Lord. And Savior is the work that he did. Lord is the position that he has in our life. He doesn't say that people come at the pearly gates and say, Savior, Savior. He says they come and say, Lord, Lord. Again, they only use Savior just a few times in the Bible. They use Lord over 7,000 times. It's, I will tell you that being saved is free, but him being Lord is not free. And we've also painted this picture of this dance through the tulips, tiptoe through the tulips, and everything's just going to be okay. No, we've got to change. And we've got things we have to do. He said the difference between those who said, Lord, Lord, and the ones that got in, the ones that didn't, first thing was those that would do the will of the Father, and also the ones that didn't were the ones that practiced lawlessness. These are people in the church that know the word, that believe the word, but never took it to that step of following the word. You remember the next scripture as we followed this was those two that built the house on the rock. One built their house on the rock, the other one didn't. It's the same scripture. It's uh, Matthew chapter 7. We started in 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27. And finally, the two, one house fell, the other one didn't. But they were built on the same, with the same material. These people knew the word. One did it, one didn't. It says those that heard my words and did them. That person's house didn't come down. Those people that heard the word and did not do them, that person's house fell, and it was a great fall. Church, this is not the outsiders. This is the insiders. So now, as we're here in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it's talking about 
how do we now take the word and go apply it? We don't fight the world's way, we fight God's way. And God's way is not manipulative or for marketing. We do not go out here and use the tools in the word of God in order to build the church. God will build the church. We do it because we love God and we're one of his. If we're one of his, we do his word. We don't have to worry about growing the church. God will grow it. The problem is the church isn't doing the work. Now, that's again, it's a tough word. You guys are all my workers here. You guys are doing awesome. But something, something's not clicking. Something's not clicking. We've got too much hell in the world. So let's read it from uh, the New King James. You guys are going to know this. For though we walk, th- walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Excuse me. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Now, there is, there, this is, I, I could, I'm probably just gonna stay here the rest of the night. We walk, in, we walk in the flesh. We are in the world. We have to go walk in this world. Everywhere we go, we go into corruptness. This world is a fallen world. Everywhere we go, there's problems, right? We live in a fallen world. Even though we're spirit-filled, blood-bought, we have been purchased. Our spirit is perfect. We are going to go to heaven. He is setting things up for us in heaven, but as we're walking here, we're walking in a corrupt world. Everywhere we go. But we don't war according to that flesh. Our weapons are not carnal. They're not worldly, but they are mighty in God. Now, I want you to catch this. For, for doing what to strongholds? Pulling them down. So what, where does that mean that they are? We have allowed these things to have high places in our life. Now, I'm not even talking about idolatry, even though it is some of it is idolatry. But these strongholds, we have given authority in our life. There is no way for you to have a stronghold in your life unless you give it. You have to give a stronghold a stronghold in your life. Because there is no power on this earth that can take you with the Spirit of God in you. Jesus did not have any strongholds. He had issues. But he did not allow strongholds personally in his life. He kept a perfect union, a perfect harmony between him and God the Father. The only time there wasn't one was when he was hanging on the cross and the Lord removed himself. God the Father was removed from that, right? Oh Lord, why have you forsaken me? Jesus, with the the Spirit of God, was able to keep strongholds where they were supposed to be, under his feet. Satan tried to build up some strongholds and Jesus put it out right away. You want food? No, I don't want food. I will live on God's word. Right? Are y'all with me? So strongholds in your life have gotten the right to be in that place by you. 
because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God to pull down strongholds. You've got to pull them down. Who has to pull them down? You do. What is the power that pulls them down? It's these tools. It's these weapons. But we are the users of the weapons. David did not have some Holy Ghost experience come over him and throw that rock. He threw the rock. The Spirit of God was with him and helped him, but he tossed the rock. Goliath was not a stronghold in David's life. David identified it right away. He said, I can take care of them. They said, go ahead. He said, okay, done. Stronghold over the whole nation? What? Him? For some reason, everybody's blinded by who this guy is. Not me. I see something different. Can I be a part? Oh, you're just wanting to watch the fight. That's what his brother said. You're just here to goof off and watch the fight. Uh, no, you're about to see what I'm here to do because you're not doing it. Why aren't you doing this? Okay, get out of the way and I'll go do it. We have the weapons. We must pull down strongholds. What do we do with arguments? We cast them down. Where do arguments find, our, find themselves? If it says that we are casting down arguments, means they must be taking a precedent in our life also. When we engage in an argument in a worldly way, that argument takes a high place in your life. And I can tell you, it takes the Spirit of God for me to get out of an argument. But when I get out of it, it comes back down to the level it's supposed to be. Casting down arguments. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is filled. Bringing every thought into captivity. This one is one that has the church completely whipped, is our thoughts. Some thoughts are real, some thoughts are not real. Some thoughts have got you so wrapped up that you cannot get free. But I want you to know that those thoughts will come under the authority of God if you will take authority over those thoughts. And... One of the main ways to take authority over your thoughts is to replace them with other thoughts. Or you can let that thought camp out. You can just let it take root in your life. How many of you know you can let a thought take root in your life? Based on what people have said, I'm reading a book right now by Steve Harvey. I don't know if you all know that comedian that does... Uh, uh, he has a talk show as well as Family Feud. And his uh, humor is borderline appropriate. Uh, and it's so funny to listen to this book because I believe it, he is talking about your gift. and He's talking about the Lord throughout the whole book. It's a good book so far. But he he's ta ta tells a story. I believe he's a believer. 
um, he got to speak at T.D. Jakes, one of his big um, things. But anyway, I'm almost afraid to even tell you to go watch him. Don't go watch him. Uh, possibly read his book. Um, it's called Act Like a Success, Think Like a Success. But it's all about your spiritual gifts. But he was talking about, and I, this is about words. These are about thoughts. And he was like 10 years old, and his teacher asked him to write down what they wanted to be for a living. What, what do they want to be? And he just thought, oh, the teacher asked me to just, just write down anything. The biggest thing, the greatest thing I could ever think of doing. He, he wrote down, I want to be on TV. And the teacher called him up and made him get out in front of the whole class and said, read what you said. He said, well, I want to be on TV. And the teacher said, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Go sit down. Is your parents on TV? No. You know anybody on TV? No. Be quiet and go pick something else that you, you probably will do and it completely defeated him went home the teacher called his mom told his mom what he had done so his mom jumped on him when he got home said the same thing then the dad got home and the dad took him up to his room and he said okay son what we're going to do is we're going to write it again and let's write what the teacher wants just go ahead and write it write policeman who cares just write it that's what she wants write it down but write down the other thing that you want. You want to be on TV? Good. I want you to look at it every single day. I want you to know you can do it. And, you know, it's just to be on TV, it's kind of broad. <laughs> um, but those words will stick. People have spoken things over you, spoken things to you. People have said things to you, and you've taken them the wrong way. They weren't even said to you. But Satan has a way of getting it in you and holding you at a place that you can't move taking every thought captive. Um, I want you to know that the greatest people in this world, their potential is no greater than your potential. No greater than some of the most amazing people that's ever walked this earth. But you've believed a lie. And I want to encourage you, if you can dig up some of those words that you can think, you know what, maybe this has got me. Okay. It says to take those thoughts captive. Take authority over those. Get a hold of it and chop its head off. Write it down and burn it. And then replace it with God's word. It doesn't say just to replace it with anything. It says to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Before that, it says casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That includes what he says about you. Some things have taken a higher thing in your life, negative things that have taken a higher place in your life than what God has said about you. And those things have to be cast down. And parents, I want to encourage you to speak positively over your kids. I'm not telling you to, to fill them full of hot air. No, I, I, just today we were having to, to make some really major decisions for a 14-year-old. It's killing me to have to watch somebody have to make such a big decision based on wh what they're going to do. And a little freshman that possibly is having to make decisions that will affect him for college. And I'm like, why is this child having to make this decision? But then I'm caught talking to her and saying, I can't make this. I can't make this decision for you. You've got to make it. And I don't know what to do. I don't know which one. 
there's so much potential in both, and I don't know which one. All I can tell you to do is pray about it. Dad, what if I don't get an answer? Well, you've got to have one by tonight. Make it. Pray about it and make the decision, and we'll all support you. Taking those thoughts captive. Speak blessings over those around you. Stop tearing people down. And stop tearing yourself down. Amen? This doesn't sound very fun, but man, this is deliverance is what this is. Bringing every thought cap into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience. Now we love, I, I, I can see how we would want to get on that board of being, being uh, which verse am I on? I'm on six, uh, Mikey, if you don't care, go forward one more. And being ready to punish all disobedience. Yeah, let's go punish all disobedience. But read the rest of it. When your obedience is fulfilled. So what the way I take that is, when we are following Christ according to his word and according to his spirit, then we have the ability to handle disobedience. Because it's going to be handled God's way. Not ways of the flesh. Not ways of the world. So when we have people that are having challenges with uh, lifestyle issues, um, sexual orientation, drugs, um, whatever. I mean, I'm just mentioning a couple. Pathological liars, um, people that steal, uh, just people that are in, in hell and can't get free. Once you know when our obedience is fulfilled, then we have the ability to step in and help those that are hurting. And if our obedience isn't fulfilled, all we're going to do is mess it up. Church, this is for the church. This is for us. Strongholds are first established in the mind. Strongholds are first established in the mind. And we are to take those thoughts captive. But I want you to know that behind a stronghold is a lie. Behind that stronghold is a lie. And it's a place of personal bondage where God's word has been replaced and been confused. And we believe this confusing thing to be true. And behind every lie is a fear, and behind every fear is an idol. And idols are established wherever there exists a failure to trust in the provisions of God that are ours through Christ Jesus. And I'll, I'll just end there. I'm not even, I'm not even, I've got three, I've got more. But um, I want you to know it probably looks like I try to act like I've got it all together, but I don't. You know, we've got challenges coming at us in every direction, just like you. And it's hard to take every thought captive. It's easy to allow a thought to overwhelm you. Um, life is a roller coaster. If we get our feet off 
of the Word of God. And it is so easy to realize you're on a road, to, to not know you're on one until it's too late, and then you realize my feet aren't on the ground. My feet are not planted on the solid rock. And uh, I t- you take a bunch of bruises and beatings and make a lot of stupid decisions and dig holes and wind up in miry pits. And then you're like, um, wait, I missed it. Let me get my feet back on the rock. God is a redeemer. He's a restorer. He's a healer. He's with me. He's never left me. Now, I, I pulled up my feet pulled up the roots for a little bit, but the Lord never left me. So I want to encourage you. Um, I, I think the key to that scripture is obedience. Get in the word and do your best to follow it. Ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom and for help. And ask for help. I don't believe there's anywhere in my life that I'm called to do anything alone. There are a couple times that it talks about your prayer closet and being, getting away just with God, but everywhere else I'm called to be with people. Um, burdens are too heavy. And he gave us the body of Christ to be able to hold those burdens, to be able to, to take those on. And the body of Christ should be casting those burdens onto the Lord. And then all of a sudden we've got no weight. We can get through it. So I just want to encourage you. Go back and read 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I may pick it up midway. I don't I knew I was going to get hung up right there, but um yeah, it just keeps getting better. So let me pray for you. Um I, I do want to uh, add um on the prayer list. I want to add again my mom my dad, still in the hospital, uh, Paul Ramsey Sr. If y'all don't mind, please do cards for them.